Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. What we're walking through is this theme called This Is Us. I know some of you probably liked that show or didn't like that show. I've never seen the show, but we've twisted that phrase to talk about who we are as the body of Christ and who we are as Oaks Church. And we have inside of our church culture, we have four core values, four pillars, the first of which is encounter. Our four pillars of faith or our four core core values that we seek to help each and every person accomplish is number one, that they encounter God, not just one time, but learn how to live a lifestyle of encounter. Number two, that they align with the right people in their lives. Bible says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You cannot be who you're called to be all by yourself. God has strategically placed people in your life that you need to be connected with. They make you better. Now, when iron sharpens, iron sparks fly, and some of your best relationships are sparky, and you challenge each other, and it makes you better. The third value is to grow. Each and every one of us, we've been accepted and received by God, and he loves us as we are, but then he provokes us to grow. He provokes us to change. We're in a journey to become more and more like him and less and less like you. Jesus Christ is our identity. In him we live and move and have our being. And the fourth pillar is give. We want to live a life that's not about ourselves. We want to live a life that's about giving of ourselves to the world around us. Giving of ourselves in every way, shape, and form. Our time, our talent, our wealth. We're givers. That's who we are as the body of Christ. That's who we are as Oaks people. This is us. And today we're going to talk about encounter. I'm not sure how you grew up. I'm not sure what your spiritual life was like or your spiritual journey, what type of church you may have grown up in, a different denomination than you maybe are a part of right now, or maybe you didn't go to church at all. I grew up in a very spiritual home. Um, I don't want to say a very a religious home, although we were, you know, there were a lot of religious practices that we had, but my parents were very spiritual. And although I came to know God at an early age, I uh, went astray in my teenage years, and it took a pretty radical experience of me hitting rock bottom for me to wake up and realize that I wanted to be a godly man. And at 17 years of age, I began to pray a different type of prayer. I began to ask God to reveal himself to me. I began to ask God to experience and to encounter me in a different way. I wasn't interested in religion. I wasn't interested in playing church. I wasn't interested in checking boxes. I wasn't even interested in being good. See, too many people are so focused on being good that they miss the whole point. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be righteous enough in and of yourself. The, Jesus said this, there's no one good but God. That's what Jesus said when someone called him good teacher. 
He said, there's no one good but God. Now, God happened to be existing in him in bodily form in his fullness. And we are made full in him. I was not interested in playing church, checking boxes. I wanted to know him, not just know about him. See, some people have walked through their life and they've been around church and they've been around people that knew God, but they've only known about him for themselves. I wanted to come to a place where God wasn't just the God of my parents, but God became my God. See, Jacob went on a journey and, and he laid his head upon a rock and God gave him a vision. Jacob would later be named Israel and the nation of Israel would be born out of him. But when he prayed to God after having this experience, he asked God to give him safe passage there to make his journey and then back again. And he said, God, if you'll bring me full circle in this journey, then you will be my God, not just the God of my forefathers. You'll be my God, and I'll give you a tenth of everything I have. It's the beginning of a, uh, essentially a contractual relationship between Jacob and God. God, if you will do this, here's the part I'm asking from you, and here's the part I'm going to, to, to obey. I'm going to give you a tenth. I'm going to tithe. That's a principle that's connected into the relationship Relationship with God. I'm not saying or suggesting that you buy your relationship with God or you buy your blessing or you buy your favor. But what I am suggesting is that the greatest things that God wants to reveal to you, although you have freely received, so you are called to freely give, there is not going to be a transaction where you receive by faith if you don't take action on the other side because faith without works is dead. So if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't love, it's fake. If you call yourself a Christian, but you don't give, it's fake. It's not real faith. Real faith has action. Real faith has action. James says, you talk about your faith, but I'll show you my faith with what I do. So I began to pursue this encounter with God, and God began to reveal himself to me. There's a chance that you may be here today, and there are entire, in fact, let me just say it's not just a chance. This is an actuality. This is a truth. There are parts and experiences and encounters with God that you haven't even tasted yet. No matter if you're here or here spiritually, there's always more of God. He's infinite. He's infinite. He's more. He's always more. One of the problems that we have as humans is we want to shrink God down to fit into a box that we can control. And God doesn't fit in any boxes. We have a, a little saying around our church here, our staff, we say, no lids. No lids. That's a theme of Oaks Church, no lids. There's no, there's no lids. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit for what God can do in you and through you. The only limit you have is your own mind, your own faith, your own ability to allow God to be great inside of you. We want to encounter him. 
Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. The priority that we have in life is that we must seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Some people miss this. Kingdom means authority, dominion, and power. Oh, we want the power. We want the authority. But it also says, and his righteousness. If you'll seek the authority, the kingdom, and his righteousness, then all things will be added unto you. You will lack nothing if you seek first, as a first priority, the kingdom and his righteousness. Amen? We've got to seek both. Is there anyone here that's seeking to encounter God? You want to encounter more of God. Is, am, I, am I the only one? I'm not the only one. I know that I'm surrounded by people that want more of him. You want to know him more. You want to experience him. And so as I began to walk down this journey, the Lord took me to the story of Moses. In the next, uh, this week, in the next three weeks, you're going to hear a lot about the story of Moses. God showed me how each of these core values that we have, encounter, align, grow, give, are all a part of Moses' story and Moses' journey. Moses, the scripture says, was no ordinary child. His mother knew there was something special about him. And it was in an age where the Egyptians were killing babies because they were trying to control the population of the Jews. And so knowing he was special, she put him, she crafted a little bitty raft, a little bitty uh, basket that would float and sent him down the Nile River intentionally to be found by someone in the royal family. And he was found by someone in the royal family and his sister had followed and seen and when Pharaoh's own daughter found him and pulled him out, his name Moses is not a Jewish name, that's an Egyptian name, it means to draw out of the water. She says that I have drawn him out of the water so I'll call him Moses, but she had no idea that she was speaking a prophetic picture of 80 years from now when Moses will return and God would use him to draw out the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. See, sometimes people, this is, God, this is gonna set someone free today. There are things that have been spoken over your life by people that have no idea what they were saying when they said it, but God was on that word. And God released something into action and he brought something to life that you don't even possibly know about yet, but it's already at work. And what the Bible says is God's word goes forth from his mouth and it accomplishes what he sets it in motion to do. And it will not return to him void. But it will accomplish the purpose that he set it in motion for. And God has things released and spoken over your life. And he's bringing you out. He's drawing you out into a new place. God wants to encounter you. In the Jewish culture, Moses is called the greatest of all of the prophets. Because he was technically the first of, of this line of prophets that would come and that would declare, and Moses is the one. In fact, if it wasn't for Moses, Moses does deserve massive honor because if it wasn't for Moses and the type of lifestyle or perpetual encounter that he developed, we wouldn't have the Bible. 
You wouldn't know about Adam and Eve. You wouldn't know about the story of Noah. You wouldn't know anything about the origin or the creation of the world because it was Moses who had the mountaintop experiences where God downloaded how he created and why he created and everything that we know the origins of, we know because of a man named Moses who lived a lifestyle of encounter. But Jesus had something different to say about who the actual greatest prophet was. I want you to look at a passage for me very quickly. Matthew chapter 11, 11, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the last prophet of the Old Testament, and he was the one selected and chosen to be a voice crying in the wilderness, declaring the way of the Lord, that the Messiah is coming, and the one that I see, the Spirit descending upon, that is the one who is the Son of God. And John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet and was the one that was given the honor of declaring this is the Messiah. And Jesus said, of all, women, of all men ever born of a woman, John the Baptist is the greatest. But he didn't stop there. Jesus went on to say this, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus, in that moment, unveiled a divine opportunity for you, for me, for us. The opportunity is this, that you can be great in God's kingdom. You can be great in God's kingdom. We look at these heroes of old and we're moved and we're inspired and we're like, wow, how did they experience it? And all the things and they walked with God and they talked with God. And Jesus said that you can be greater than them. You can have an experience with God that's greater level. See, these men of old, these great heroes of the faith, the Holy Spirit would come upon them he would rest upon them and they would have encounters with God, but then the spirit would lift and they would go back to the way they were and they would walk out seasons of their life without the spirit of God in constant contact with them. Because the spirit had not yet been released. In the scriptures, one of the last prophets declared that in the last days, when the Messiah comes, the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh, all people. And the sons and the daughters would prophesy. And they would dream dreams and have visions. And the spirit would come and live inside of you. You have the opportunity to have the fullness of God living inside of you. The spirit of the living God. Listen, someone is going to be filled with the Spirit today in this service. Someone is going to receive the breath of God, the Spirit of God coming inside of you today in this service. You don't have to go through life as a shell of a being. You can go through life full of the Spirit of the living God. I didn't feel like preaching today. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit shows up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Father, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people.
Father, when we come and we create an atmosphere and we worship and praise, you can't resist your children. You can't resist them. You come and you live inside. You inhabit the praises of your people. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Father, release your joy. There's someone here today and you're dealing with sorrow. You're dealing with powerful, real sorrow. And right now, the Holy Spirit is releasing his joy into you. One of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the products of the Spirit being inside of you is supernatural joy. Would you just ask right now, I'm skipping to the end. Would you just ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life right now? Just say that, Holy Spirit. Say it right now. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me right now. I put my faith in you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to fill me. Holy Spirit, breathe in me, release in me your peace, your joy, your love, your patience. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Come on, just breathe in the Holy Spirit right now. Just take a deep breath and breathe in the Holy Spirit. Feel the peace of God just wash over you. The weight is literally lifting off of you right now. The pressure is lifting off of you right now. You don't carry that any longer. He's releasing his peace to you, his joy to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So Moses has a a bad experience. He has a bad experience. He, He can tell there's something this destiny upon his life. He's passionate. He doesn't know why, but he sees the injustice with how the Egyptians were treating his brothers and sisters that were Jewish. He was Jewish, but he grew up as an Egyptian. He was trained in the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was trained in the language of the Egyptians. The scripture says that he was powerful in speech and in action. And he sees this injustice and something rises up in him when he's 40 years old and he feels like I've got to do something about this. And so he comes to the defense and he strikes an Egyptian and kills him. He thinks that nobody's watching. He knows he's in trouble, but he feels like he can get away with it. So he buries the Egyptian in the sand. The next day he comes back out, he sees two Jewish brothers, two two Jewish men fighting, and he tries to break them up, saying, you're brothers, why are you fighting? One of them says, what are you going to do, kill me like you did that Egyptian? We saw what you did. Moses freaks out and he runs for his life, and there's a, 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 a warrant put on his life by Pharaoh. Pharaoh is now searching for him to kill him. And Moses spends 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, 40 years in the desert, feeling like he'd missed his calling, feeling like he'd missed his opportunity, 40 years. Some of us have been waiting on God to do something a long time. Some of us had a dream, a vision, something we really believed that God would do, that God would use us to do, and it's been on a shelf, it's been sitting, it's been waiting. And the temptation is to feel like it's over, it's never going to happen. I missed my shot, I missed my window, I'm just going to exist. The problem is this, 
God is seeking an encounter with you. And he doesn't live inside of time. And just because it's been decades for you, it's a blink of an eye for him. And in the moment that he has designed, the spirit will breathe life to that dream and it will come forth. It's not over. It's not over. Someone say that. It's not over. It's not over. There's still life in it. There's still breath in it. Father, breathe on my dream. Release life to my dream. I will not let go. I know I have purpose. I know I have destiny. I'm no ordinary child. There's something special about me. I can do something great for you. All of a sudden, Moses looks up. He's out tending sheep. He'd been tending sheep for 40 years. Married a girl. Had kids. Had a whole life. And all of a sudden, he sees something. Exodus 3.1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. Moses didn't know what he was getting into. He's just going to explore. He's just going to check out something strange. But watch what happens. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, when God saw Moses take initiative, God called to him from within the bush. Moses. Moses. Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God says. Take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. This is the initial moment. Guys, this is the salvation moment. This is the renewal moment for Moses. This is the moment where Moses comes alive again. He's experiencing the living God. He had no idea. He's just tending sheep. He's just looking for pasture. He's just looking for water. And God has drawn him to a place called Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And God is about to show him that he can encounter God on a regular basis. And watch what he says in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, to draw them out like you've been named. The Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, watch, I will be with you. Anybody ever disqualified yourself? Anybody ever said, I'm not good enough? There's no way I could be used like that. There's no way that I could go into that world. There's no way. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right background. I don't have the right pedigree. I'm not the right uh, socioeconomic class. I'm not the right gender. I'm not the right color. I'm not the right whatever. Whatever excuse you're be, you, you're, you have been making, this is what God says to your excuse. I will be with you. Period. I will be with you. 
When God is with you, none of your excuses matter. I will be with you. Watch, watch, watch. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have succeeded, when you have accomplished what I just told you you're going to accomplish, which is absolutely impossible for you to do, when you have succeeded, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. He said, the proof is you're going to encounter me like this again. That's the proof. And God called Moses into a relationship where Moses walked with God in an incredible way. See, it wasn't he had this burning bush experience and then he was all by himself trying to figure out this Egypt thing and the plagues and the frogs and the, and the locusts and all this different stuff. No, he literally, if you read the passages from, from Exodus 3 all the way through to Exodus 18 and 19, the whole process of going toe-to-toe with the most powerful ruler in the world, Pharaoh, if you look at that story, every single time Moses had something of a challenge, whether it was going to the leaders of Israel or going to the Egyptians or going to Pharaoh himself, every single time he had a personal conversation with God. God desires to encounter you. He desires to have relationship with you. An encounter is the pathway to greatness. You can't be the fulfillment of how great God has designed you to be unless you learn to encounter him. Encounter is the pathway to greatness. The story goes on. God says to him again, I'm going to, now that he's come through full circle, he's rescued the people out. He says, I'm going to reveal myself to you. Go back to that mountain. Go back to Mount Sinai. I'm going to come and visit that mountain. I'm going to release clouds of smoke and pillars. They're going to hear a trumpet. They're going to hear my voice audibly. I'm going to release that so that these people know that I am God and that I delivered them and that I am with you. And that's exactly what happened. And Moses goes up onto the mountain and he's encountering God and the people are terrified. Watch what happens here. The people are terrified. This is Exodus 20 now, verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. This has come to test, this God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And then Moses said, uh, and the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, now watch this, this is a very interesting passage. You have seen for yourself that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside of me. Do not make any for yourself gods of silver, gold. Make an, watch this, watch this. Here's, this is a really interesting explanation or, or instruction from God. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed or cut or perfected stones. 
for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. Watch. And do not go up to my altar on steps or your private parts may be exposed. That is one of the weirdest scriptures I've ever heard. Is it because they wore little skirts? You don't, don't go up on steps. Someone's going to look up there and be like, woo. It's not what it's about, though. It's not what it's about. God was saying, look, just because you have this mountaintop experience, I don't want you to live for the, for the occasional mountaintop experience. I want you to build a flat, level Plain Jane earth, nothing fancy. Create a place where you come to me. You don't have to climb up anywhere. You don't have to try to see what happens with religion. It's when we try to make all these stepping stones of all the things that we have to accomplish, what happens is we start showing our rear. You may say it different. Someone's a jerk. They showed their rear. And it's because we have these things that we do. Religion wants to make it all these steps and all these ways that, that you go up and God says, no, no, no. I just want you to come to me daily. Just daily be with me. God desires you daily. He desires you daily. Can I tell you that the most important things you do in life, you do daily Whatever is most important to you, you do daily. I hope you clean yourself daily, brush your teeth daily. I know you eat daily. Very few of you miss a meal. My question is, how daily is your encounter with God? In this day and age, we don't miss a day on our phone. My phone tells me what my screen time is. I'm trying to make that number go down. I've had some big numbers. Never miss a day on the phone. Mess, never miss a day eating. Never, never miss a day with, our, with whatever entertainment. Never miss a day with all these. There's so many things that we do daily. How daily is your relationship with God? How daily? Most important things in your life you do daily. God wants to walk. He, he says, don't build something fancy. Don't make it some whatever. Just just daily, just be with me. I, I, I want to encourage you to, to get the little Bible app on your phone, just the one that says Bible. I, 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 people used to ask me, how much do you read your Bible? I don't know, a lot. I mean, I read it. Do you read it every day? I mean, close. Now, because I read it on this app every single day. And it's, I, I, you know, I've had 35 perfect weeks this year. I've read the Bible over 300 days so far this year. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that, that I, but I just created a habit. Just created a habit. Why? Because it's important to me that I'm with him daily, that I connect to him daily. Because I'm a mess without him. Oh, my gosh. You, without him in my life, none of you would want to be my friend. How daily is your relationship with him? See, Moses, Moses went from these burning bush and mountain of God experiences, but as you watch the story unfold, and as they progressed, I want to read something to you, one last verse. 
Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses, watch this. Watch how his relationship progressed. Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside of the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to that tent of meeting outside of the camp. Moses made a place he could go anywhere and anytime he wanted, just a daily place, just, a, just, just a, a plain, just a tent, just a plain place. But he created a space where if anybody needed to pursue God, if anybody needed to answer prayer, if anybody needed to connect, if anybody needed an encounter, they just had to go to the tent of meeting. Do you have a tent of meeting in your life? He would go to this tent and the pillar of cloud would come around it and everyone would go and stand at the entrances of their own personal tents while Moses spoke with God and they would see the clouds standing there. And verse 11 says, and the Lord would speak to Moses, watch this, face to face as one speaks to his friend and then Moses would return to the camp. Watch, watch, watch. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. See, in this story, we see two totally different, but we see Moses, the, the special one, the one that God had picked. But then we see two totally opposite experiences. People that said, Moses, don't let God talk to us anymore. You just talk to us. He terrifies me. It's too scary. Just you talk to him for me. We'll stand at the edge of our tents and watch you talk to him. And, and, and listen, that's what religion does. Religion creates this separation where I'm up on this stage and I have this experience and this encounter and you sit out there and say, I wish I could have that type. I wish I could hear God like that. I wish I could. Listen, you can. You can. And, and, and even though for religion, it's better for the business of religion for me to be the special one. And you have to come to me to hear. That's better for the business of religion. But we're not about the business of religion. We're about the relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe. My goal is for you to learn to encounter him for yourself. And anything you may hear from me is just a confirmation of what he's already said to you. He's no respecter of persons. I'm no more special than you are. I just have a really good habit. I have a tent of meeting in my life. I've got a place where I go daily, daily, daily. Why? Because I'm desperate for him. I need him so badly. I need him so badly. Whoever's been forgiven much loves much. I've been forgiven much. I'm going to give you a couple of very practical things for you to do. Very practical things I'm going to pray for you. Number one, create a space in your life. Create a space. Find somewhere I've got a friend that goes into his closet. That's where he goes. And he literally pray, he prays in his closet on the floor, face down. If that's what you need to do, if that's your place, find your place. But create a space. For me, it, a lot of times it's outside. I want to be outside. I, I, I created in our new house a space, a patio with a fireplace so that I can, no matter how cold it is or whatever, I've got a place. And it's got a fan when it's hot and it's got a fireplace when it's cold. But there's a place, a space where I am inspired. You've got to find where you get inspired create a space in your world number two designate a time 
When do you spend time with him? When Jennifer and I were dating, we were just little teenagers. I was 19, she was 20. Oh baby, it was daily. I couldn't go, I couldn't go hours. This is, this is back in the pager days, y'all. This wasn't text messaging and instant, this was pager days. Oh, when, when we got that, that one phone, remember you could click and it was like a walkie-talkie phone? Oh, it got fun then. What was that one? The, Nextel, yeah, oh man, the walkie-talkie phone. Some of y'all don't remember, don't you? It was daily. It was a priority. Sometimes the first thing in the morning, sometimes the last thing at night. How important is it for you to encounter him? How important is it? You gotta create a space and you gotta designate time. Number three, set the mood. Set the mood, what does that mean? Get the lighting right, get the music right. Create an atmosphere. He inhabits the praises of his people. He wants to come and live inside of your praise. Set a mood for him. And number, thir- number four, seek God's voice. Seek to hear his voice. It's not about knowing about him. It's about actually knowing him. This is us. This is us. I'm gonna give you one more very practical thing. This is a modernization of, of what ancient monks created a a way of studying scripture in the in the early centuries the first and second and third centuries these spiritual men they created something in latin it's called lecta divina Uh, it, it means inspired reading and what they would do is they would get in front of the scriptures and they would read it and read it and meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate and they would read and read and the same passage over and over and over and they would ask God to speak to them and ask God to give them understanding and they would read it over and over and over again. And there's this modern little acronym that was created a number of years ago called SOAP. And I'm just gonna give you this because it's gonna help some, this, this right here, what I'm gonna teach some of you, this will be the beginning of you learning to hear God for yourselves. You take a scripture every single day, just take a scripture, just pick one. Go, I, I personally like to read whole books. So I'll pick a book and if you've never read one of the books of the Bible, uh, pick a quick one, maybe like Jude. It's a whole page, you know, just one page. I read a book today right? The book of Jude. There's lots of them that are short. They're easy. The book of John is great. One of the great things that I was taught early on is if you want to know God, know Jesus. And the book of John is the closest, most intimate one of the gospels to know the person of Jesus. But you, you, every day you take this passage and you read it and you read it over and over and over again. And then you, in your little, get a little journal and write that verse out. Just write it out. S is for scripture. O is for observation. Then you write the things about that. You observe what is in this passage. What's going on here? What are the things that jump out to me? And you write those things out. And then application, you say, okay, how do those things that now I observe, how do those relate to my life? How could I possibly apply that? And you write that out. And then finally, you pray. And you write your prayer. This is a beautiful practice. I've done this for years. A beautiful practice that you write a prayer. Father, thank you so much. Your word says that the fullness of 
the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form and I have been made full in Him. Father, would you make me full? I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like I'm missing something. Would you fill me up today, Father? Would you make me full today? You're praying the Scriptures and they'll come alive to you and He'll speak to you through His Word. And He'll make His Word that is written and is ancient, he'll make it all of a sudden, his breath will come upon it and it will become rhema to you. The bread of life, the sword of the spirit, the released living word of God into your life. It's just a simple practice. It's just a simple practice. It's not about religion. It's about relationship, amen? We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.